promise based upon a better covenant based upon better promises. So, you know, Galatians 3.13 says that Christ hath redeemed us from what? The curse of what? Of the law, right? So is there any uh, uh, biblical reference that says he has redeemed us from the blessings of the law? No biblical reference that says he's redeemed us or taken us out of the blessings of the law. So if you find blessings of the law, they're still part of the covenant agreement with Abraham because aren't we Abraham's children, right? So, so we're Abraham's children, but we have an Abraham. We have like Abraham's covenant plus extra benefits, right? So, uh, so if there's Old Testament blessings that you find, then you can look at that and say, well, Lord, that's pretty good, but, you know, I've even got it better than whatever that is. So many times we'd be satisfied to just uh, have at least as good as they had it in the Old Testament, right? Just like when Jesus said that the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than he shall you do because I go to the Father. Uh, wouldn't we all be pretty satisfied with having at least as good works as Jesus had? And yet he said we can have better, do better works, right, or greater works, right? And I think the greater works are, are, are in one of two uh, one of two ways, uh, of course, you can look at that, I think, in several ways. But one way to look at that is uh, we can do all the same miracles that he did. And then he said, in greater works than these. So uh, before the resurrection, how many people were born again uh, by the Lord Jesus? No, it's none. So anybody that's been born again uh, is a work that was greater than uh, than anything Jesus did. Remember, Jesus said that uh, even though John the Baptist was the, the greatest prophet that ever lived, he said the least in the kingdom is greater than him uh, because when we get born again, that's a great and mighty miracle. So that's one miracle that all of us can do that's greater than everything that Jesus did. Uh, but then also uh, the quantity of miracles. Did Jesus heal anybody in Asia or China or, you know, uh, uh, Australia or, uh, you know, Tennessee, right? Did he heal anybody in those areas? No. So there are plenty of areas around the world that we have the capacity to to. Uh, have those great miracles. Uh, and did Jesus do every single thing that was ever known to man? Did Jesus ever uh, cause someone's arm to grow out that didn't exist? You never saw an example like that. Now, we know that everything that Jesus did wasn't written down, but there's no record that he did that. So if somebody has a miracle where an arm is grown out that uh, didn't exist before, that would be a miracle that Jesus didn't do. And so, um, you know, really, uh, we should never put a constraint on God unless there's an example of that same miracle in the Bible, then that can't be God. I think that's constraining God because, you know, before, if that was the case, then nobody could ever done the first miracle, right? So didn't uh, uh, Moses do the first parting of, of the waters, right, with the Red Sea? Uh, had anybody ever parted the waters before Moses did? No, so if Moses said, well, Lord, no one's ever done that, so I can't do that because, you know, that would be not biblical to, to part the waters, uh, but then after he did it, then Joshua did the same thing, right, at the at the Jordan River. Uh, so you can't constrain the Lord about those miracles, which you have to be careful of. Who's getting the glory, right? When you talk about a miracle, who gets the glory? Who 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 is this uh, this glory elevating? And uh, if it's the person initiating the the miracle, if they're getting the glory, then it's not the Lord, right? It's it's their own flesh. It's it's familiar spirits. Could be a lot of things, right? Uh, and so uh, just follow the glory, right? I know in the world we follow the money. You can find, usually find all the answers, especially if you have, you know, a, a sneaking accountant running around somewhere. Uh, then uh, follow the money. You can usually get all the answers you need to know about what's going on, right? Well, if you follow the glory, uh, you can usually find out, is this really God or not, right? Uh, and so 
so that makes it pretty easy there. So, so uh, if we so whatever you find in the Old Testament, I think we finished up with Proverbs chapter four, uh, talking about the Word of God says that they are life. Proverbs four twenty two, they are life unto those that find them and health to all of their flesh. So the Word of God is health to how much of our flesh? So every cell, right? Every finger, every toe, right? Every hair. Uh, it's it's health to all your flesh. Uh, and that's a good that's just a good verse to even to to confess over yourself that if it's health to all of your flesh, then you can talk to, you know, whatever parts of your flesh are not uh, lining up with the word of God. So you may be perfectly fine, you know, in your muscles, but maybe your bones ache. Right. You may be perfectly fine in your bones. Maybe your joints ache. Right. Uh, and so, you know, you can say, well, now that now you're part of my flesh and the word of God is health to all of my flesh. So now you need to straighten up. So that's a good way to uh, uh, that's a good way to um, uh, to confess about that. And then let's turn over to uh, Malachi chapter three uh, at the very end of the old covenant there. You know, after Malachi, there was like 400 years of nothing. Right. That we have no record of, of the Lord. I'm sure the Lord ha was doing some things uh, in certain people's lives, but uh, we have no record that he did anything on the earth for 400 something years. And that's a long time for, of silence, right, from the Lord. Uh, but it says here in Malachi chapter 3, it says in verse 6, uh, For I am the Lord, and I change not. Uh, and so, of course, we know in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So uh, when he says that the Lord changes not, uh, so whatever he desires is what he's always desired, right? His desires have never changed. Uh, now, how the Lord relates to mankind will change depending upon the status of mankind. Amen. So before the cross, the Lord had to deal with mankind uh, from the law, from the legal standpoint. Uh, but once the cross uh, was completed and the work of redemption was completed, the Lord was able to upgrade his relationship with the with people uh, through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Right. Uh, and so uh, but the Lord didn't change. He was still the same. In fact, from the day that man was created uh, right, right after he fell in the garden. The Lord's plan was to send the Lord Jesus. So it was always that plan, always that desire. And then that, that desire was then fulfilled by the life of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and then the same desire to have a relationship with mankind is uh, still true today. Amen. So the Lord never changes. And, and you know, if you listen to some people, their, their doctrine and philosophy is almost that God was kind of a mean, hard God in the Old Testament. And God is a nice, happy God in the New Testament. Uh, and and. If that's true, then God was a different person in the Old Testament. You ever, you ever known people that just, you know, one day they're super, super nice, and the next day they're just grumpy old people, right? Uh, and, and, you know, it's like, well, and, and you go to the secretary, well, which one are they today, right? Is it Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, right? Uh, and so, you know, if it's Mr. Hyde, well, I'll come back tomorrow, right? But if it's Dr. Jekyll, you know, maybe I'll, I'll sneak in there, see if I can get through it, right? Why? Because they change, right? You never know. You, uh, and uh, we've all known people like that, right? Uh, of course, none of us have ever been that way, you know, but we know people. We've heard of people, stories of people that are like that, right? But the Lord's the same, always the same, right? His will never changes. His desire never changes. And if you'll believe that, then then everything kind of lines up with the Word of God a whole lot more clearly, right? He's not a mean old grumpy God in the Old Testament and nice happy God in the New Testament. His desire has always been for the blessing of mankind, right? Uh, and so... So Malachi says he is the Lord and he changes not. Uh, and so uh, and then she's got uh, some other scriptures here in, in Romans. I think we're going to uh, pass uh, 
pass uh, some of those there. Um, let's turn over to, uh, uh, to Psalms, and let's look at uh, Psalm 42. We actually mentioned this verse in uh, church not long ago there. So Psalm 42. It says, let's see, it says in verse uh, 11, it says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, uh, the expression of our lives, people should see, right? So he's the health of your countenance, right? What you see. Uh, and uh, and that word health there also means salvation, but it's also yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People like that are annoying, aren't they, right? Why are you so happy? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Did it have any dust on it or anything like that? Or <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you know, the, uh, if you read the verse, it says, you know, why art thou cast down, O my soul? And, of course, I know we talked about this uh, not long ago in church. Uh, it, uh, there's a lot of information just in that statement that, number one, is you're not required to waller or wallow in your uh, depression or self-pity or whatever it is that you're uh, wallowing. Because some people are of the opinion, well, that's just the way I feel. I can't just change how I feel. And yet the psalmist is, so you are a spirit, right? You're not a soul. You have a soul, but you're, you are a spirit. So the psalmist is talking to his soul, 
to his own soul, right? His mind, his will, or emotions, right? He's talking to it. You know, what's wrong with you? Uh, and, you know, if we could learn that, that, same, uh, that same concept that we're not required to stay in whatever our soul, our soul is not the boss. Uh, your spirit man is the boss. And that's, uh, and that's really what you find out, is it, it, even though, and, you know, in, in, in those areas, especially in mental anguish, there's oftentimes demonic forces involved in that uh, where they'll try to keep you under because they love that area where, where many Christians believe that, well, I can't just change what I think. And yet, uh, what does Philippians 4, 8 say? Think on these things, right? So it tells you that you have the, the capacity, the right, the privilege to choose what you think about. Uh, and, uh, and a great way to do it is singing psalms because, number one, he inhabits the praises of his people. Well, what devil wants to be around in the presence of God? None of them, right? Uh, and if it's true, it, it is true because he said it was true, uh, then, then to, to get out of the presence of the demonic forces and into the presence of God is medicine all by itself, right? Just because all that pressure... Because, you know, sometimes the pressure is self-inflicted, but sometimes the pressure is from an external source, right, from the enemy of mankind. And if that pressure is relieved because they leave the presence of God, then, then you're better off, right? Uh, and, and then you train yourself to be that way. You, and then you recognize, hey, I'm going down that road. I don't have to go down that road. And that's, you know, if all Christians could learn that, that once they start down that road, because a lot of times when people start down that road, especially in the area of mental anguish, they feel like there's nothing they can do. It's a snowball, and it will go down, and, and they'll have all the blinds closed and be under the covers for three days, and maybe after a week they can get out and, and see some sunshine. They don't see any hope to avoid that, and yet uh, the psalmist said, hey, soul, what's wrong with you? Uh, I will yet praise him. And that what he, said, what he says right there? Uh, I, I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. Amen. And, and uh, I really like that verse, too. I think it's a great verse. I think it's uh, it has a lot of insight uh, in that verse about how we operate, how we have the capacity to operate and that we, we are not subject to and don't have to be uh, enslaved by our own soul. Right. Uh, because, you know, you want your soul to be renewed, your mind to be renewed. But, you know, sometimes you don't know. Nobody's ever told you that you can just not not be that way. Uh, and many people, even in, in the psychiatry area, will tell you, well, you can't just pick and choose. You know, that's just who you are. You're just that kind of person. And, and you know, I, I have no problems with the, with the psychiatrists of the world. You know, I think they probably have helped a lot of people. But when they cross the boundaries of the Word of God and conflict with the Word of God, then I have to, you know, say, well, that's not exactly true, right? The Word of God says I can choose to praise Him, uh, and uh, and it's my choice. And so... It's just it's just a great verse. Uh, and if you can live in that, you know, you can go for days, months and weeks and years even and not have these fits. Right. These fits of depression and fits of anguish, mental anguish. Uh, and we're not diminishing that. You know, they're, they're real. Right. Uh, if you've ever had one, they're real. Right. They're real where you just feel completely oppressed, completely overwhelmed by maybe it's the circumstances or just the thoughts, you know, and you don't even know why you feel that way sometimes, you know, and uh, and, and so. Uh, because sometimes there's no reason you didn't do anything to initiate it, but there is an enemy of mankind who is who is glad to heap upon you, you know, all all of his condemnation, right? So, uh, and that was where was that written? Old Testament, right? So if you could speak to your soul in the Old Testament, uh, and and David wasn't even born again, amen. But uh, but we are born again, 
And so now our spirits should definitely be the, the primary portion of our lives and that we don't stand for our soul uh, misbehaving, right? Uh, we should look over and say, what's wrong with you? Straighten up, right? Uh, now, I, I think some people, even in the church, would look at that like you're crazy, but you know, I didn't write it. You know, David wrote the psalm thousands of years ago, right? Uh, and uh, he was talking to his soul, uh, and he had a lot of anguish, didn't he, right? I mean, the, the very man that, that the Lord wanted him to serve tried to kill him how many times, right? Throwing spears at him and accuse him of all manner of evil, and David, all he wanted to do was help. Uh, and and so uh, it's... Uh, uh, me and David, we spent a lot of time together for many years, you know, just uh, <laughs> reading about all of the woes that he went through and how he got out of it. So, uh, And then she finishes up the chapter uh, with one of the great uh, psalms in Psalm uh, 126. And so turn over there. Um, and again, this is still Old Covenant, but uh, have we been redeemed from any of the promises of the Old Covenant? We have not been redeemed from any of the, con the, the promises of the Old Covenant. So... Uh, and so he starts out here in, in um, uh, verse 1. It says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Well, has our captivity been turned? Were we part of the world system before we were born again? Now we're born again. So we were under captivity of the world system, but the Lord turned our captivity. And now uh, we can be like them that dream. And then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Uh, then said they among the heathen, the Lord had done great things for them. So, you know, if if you have the capacity to, to express everything that the Lord has done for you, then uh, then the, the words that are going to come out of you are laughter. Right. The words that are going to come out of you are singing uh, and and the world will take notice of that. And and they'll say even if they don't come up to you and, and tell you, uh, they will acknowledge that the Lord has done great things for them. Uh, for you, right? Uh, and that's really how we're supposed to operate, that, that the Lord is so big in us that all that comes out of us is, is thankfulness to the Lord, right? Thankfulness for the great things that he's done for us, that he has turned our captivity, uh, and we are like them that dream. And then, uh, and then we respond, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are what? We are glad, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, I always wonder about some Christians, you know, they're just all the time moping around, all the time sad and depressed and woe is me. And I'm thinking, you're on your way to heaven. How bad could it possibly be, right? Uh, and I understand there's real things in life, but, but uh, you know, Paul said he learned how to, how to be abased and he learned how to abound. Uh, and, uh, and that's not about, uh, I think, on um, uh, Wednesday uh, nights we're going to start uh, talking about the book of Philippians. And there's some uh, discussions in the book of Philippians that talk about um, about suffering of the Christian. So we need to look at, you know, how do Christians uh, suffer? Uh, and uh, if there's any suffering, uh, that's not really the will of God, but, uh, uh, but the knowledge that, the, that the, the Christians will suffer, what should that look like, right? Uh, and a lot of Christians, they suffer either under self-inflicted uh, pain and anguish or suffer in such a way that the Lord never intended for us to suffer, like in sickness and disease, right? He never intended us for suffer. But uh, he did tell us there would be persecution that would arise. So that's one of the uh, main ways that uh, we may have to suffer as Christians. And uh, have you ever suffered any persecution? You know, I mean, I've suffered persecution. Now, the suffering of our persecution in the United States is a lot less than suffering persecution in, say, a Muslim country where they just cut your head off, right? Uh, but, um, 
but there still is suffering in, in our worlds and all of our worlds, right? There may be suffering that we have to go through, so we'll look at that. But uh, if, if it's true that the Lord has turned the captivity uh, of Zion or our captivity, we should be like them that dream, right? Dream big dreams. You know, we tell our kids that dream big dreams until you become an adult and burn them all, right? But uh, uh, no, you dream, dream big dreams because the Lord has blessed you. Uh, and then as a result, the fruit of, of knowing those things is that your mouth will be filled with laughter and your tongue with singing. And the world will take notice. Uh, and, and you can acknowledge, yes, the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad. Amen. Are you glad that the Lord has done great things for you? Uh, you know, there, there's so many times, uh, I mean, I, uh, all day long, I can't tell you how often I just tell the Lord, Lord, uh, thank you uh, for everything. You know, just uh, sometimes just there's nothing that that uh, that uh, preceded my thankfulness, but just uh, it'll just rise up. I mean, just Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are in me. Thank you for what you've done for me. Uh, and it wasn't that he did anything in particular in that moment. Uh, but oftentimes, you know, uh, in the smallest things of life, I'm always thanking him for uh, smallest little things of, of uh, being saved and protected and watched out. I always am thankful if I, if I remember something that, that I might otherwise have forgotten. I'm thankful. Lord, thank you for reminding me about that. Uh, just always thankful uh, uh, about him because he has done great things for me. And so, therefore, I am glad. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that completes uh, the, the chapter there. And then she's going to be talking about the cross uh, in, in the next chapter there. Uh, so we've got some questions. Everybody filled out all the questions for this chapter? Uh, and so uh, you didn't fill them out? Oh, so, you know, uh, uh, all right, we got a, we got a one student slacking over here. Just uh, glad there's no grades associated with this, right? Uh, but uh, I'm sure you'll figure out all the answers anyway. So, um, all right, question number one says that Egypt is a type of the what? Type of the world, right? Uh, and I like this second question that, the only thing we are to do in relation to Egypt is what? Come out of it, right? Uh, and I've always thought it was interesting. I remember reading, you know, for the first time, the story of the Israelites after they came out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the nation of Egypt and they're in the wilderness. How many times did they say we had it better in Egypt? Uh, and it's like, you mean you had it better when you were a slave, right? When they whipped you and beat you and told you you had to work like a dog all the days of your life. Uh, just to eke out the smallest, li you had it better then. Now you're totally free, you get to choose where you want to go, but that's not as good as when you had it as a slave in Egypt, right? And so sometimes people are just kind of not very bright, right? But, um, uh, but the only thing we do in relation to Egypt is we come out of it, right? Uh, and so uh, question number three says, that the Lord put a difference between his people and the Egyptians. And what was that difference? Life and death, right? So there was uh, a line drawn in the sand, so to speak. And on one side of the line, there was death everywhere, right? On the other side of the line, there was perfect life. Uh, and, uh, and really, it was that way for all of the plagues, right? There was a line drawn in the sand. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, scientists think that that line still exists because they'll tell you, you know, put a plastic shield from here to here and viruses, you know, can go this way, but they can't come right through here, right? It's like, well, maybe they're maybe they're put, trying to pick up some things from the Old Testament. I don't know, but uh, you know, maybe um, maybe they should. Uh, well, we'll just leave all that alone, right? Uh, we'll stick with the Bible here. Uh, question number four says there is one and only one protection against the death-dealing epidemic in Egypt, and it was what the blood, right? The the blood is what protected them there. Uh, and verse five says if the cause 
for all sickness is sin, then the remedy is what? The blood of Jesus, right? So the root of, of all sickness is sin. Uh, that doesn't mean that the root of your sickness is your sin, but because there was sin in the world, that, that sickness got into the world. And then, you know, now it's kind of an autopilot, right? You may not have done anything. And then uh, you might walk by and pick up a germ or a virus or something. Uh, and that germ or virus is in the world because of sin, right? So make sure that you don't always assume that every time that you get a sniffle that uh, you, you're in some deep, dark, secret sin that you don't even know about. Uh, it's just that all, uh, that, uh, that's one reason why uh, the Lord can't disinfect this world enough. He's just going to get rid of it, right? Just sometimes, you know, you try to, you ever try to clean things and after a while it's like it's just not worth it. Just throw it away and get another one, right? Um, kind of that way with pressure washers, right? Just can't, you can't fix them, just get another one, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but with the world and the same thing with your physical body, you know, because it's been touched by sin, there's just something about things that have been touched by sin that the Lord is unable to fully uh, recover from that. So the three main areas of the universe that's been touched by sin uh, is uh, the earth, right? So it's been touched by sin, getting a brand new earth. Uh, your physical body's been touched by sin, you're getting a brand new physical body. And even heaven was touched by sin, right? Remember, Lucifer was in heaven, and Jesus said, I saw him, you know, fall from, from heaven, right? Fall from the sky. Uh, why? Was he, he was getting thrown out. Uh, you've been evicted. Uh, and so whatever was touched uh, by Lucifer during that period of time, it can't be redeemed. And that's why we're getting a new heaven, right? A new earth and a new physical body. Everything's been touched by sin. Uh, and so... Uh, and then uh, question number six says, uh, list four points about the blood of the Passover. So it has to be what? It has to be shed. It has to be what? Applied. And how does it have to be applied? Openly. And how often does it have to be applied? Continually, right? So it has to be uh, shed, which, of course, that was all pointing to the cross, right? Uh, the, the blood of Jesus had to be shed. Uh, and that, that second point is it has to be applied. That's where... A lot of people say, well, if Jesus died, then we all get to go to heaven. Well, no, you still have to apply the blood to your life by receiving the work of the cross. And so if you choose not to do that, then uh, you miss out on your opportunity to go to heaven, right? Uh, and then uh, there was no safety apart from what? Uh, from the blood, right? So they had to put the blood on the doorpost. Uh, and so... Uh, and I'm not really sure why question number eight is there, but maybe it's just because it was interesting. And so according to Balaam, the children of Israel had the strength of a what? Of a unicorn, right? Uh, and if anybody knows what that means, you know, that would be great, right? You know, and so, uh, uh, you know, those are all, um, you know, all the unicorns I see are got rainbows on them and all those things, right? So, uh, and so, and then question number nine says, blank and absolute blank is ours in Christ Jesus as we walk in the obedience of faith. So what two things belong to us? Healing and what? And immunity from disease. I, I like that, you know, healing. So it, you know, the church doesn't always have to be the ones getting sick and getting healed. They can be the ones who are immune from sickness to begin with, right? That's living in divine health. And uh, I believe that's the Lord's desire is for us to live in divine health all the days of our lives, amen? So we can go for, uh, for days, weeks, months, and even years. You know, I know Brother Hagin would testify that, uh, that he said he'd go for years before he even recognized he had a body because it'd just be healthy for many, many years in a row, right? No headaches or anything. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, a lot of the church 
they're so used to living like the world where it's just it's a constant you know this or that you know a sniffle or ache or a major thing and and um you know you listen to many people in the church talk and their confession is always well it's just going to get worse from here you know uh and so uh, hopefully uh hopefully this class will help you in in learning to adjust your uh adjust your confession to line up with what god says about your healing amen because really your confession should be just be exactly what the lord says that he is your healer amen uh and that you can live in divine health uh, and so because he says he would take sickness from the midst of you amen he didn't he didn't say and i'll always heal all your diseases in that section he said i'll take the sickness from the midst of you so there is no sickness uh that can attack your body uh and, and of course he said in psalm 91 that no plague shall come nigh you so there's a lot of promises that talk about how you can live a life of divine health and not even have to be the sick getting healed you can be the sick the healed staying well amen uh so that's a lot better and then question number 10 says, God wants us to be living what? Epistles, right? That's what that she finished up. That was Psalm 26, where the heathen say the Lord has done great things for them. So, you know, uh, what the Lord has done in your life should be an epistle or a story for those around you. They should be able to look at you and go, you know, there, there's a story there that I want to know about. Uh, and, um, you know, we can live that way. We have the right to live that way. And so... Um, so then, uh, let's see. Oh, we we got time to start chapter five, so we can start chapter five. Now, this is still this is chapter five of the first of our four books, right? Uh, and so, uh, and most of these chapters are pretty quick. You know, they, they they're not going to take a long time for us to get through all of these chapters here. Uh, but um, uh, but we can start chapter five, and she starts all the way back uh, to the first promise of healing back into uh, Exodus fifteen twenty six. So let's start back there. Exodus 15, 26. I know we know this verse because we quote this verse a lot, right? Um, or Exodus, Exodus 15, 25 is where she wants to start, right? So, of course, the context of this uh, story here, let's see, is uh, um, let's start in verse 22. And it says, And Moses uh, brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, uh, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means, uh, what do you think it means? It means bitter, right? So there you go. So we got bitter, bitter, and bitter, bitter. Um, and the people murmured against Moses, uh, what shall we drink? And, you know, the thing I'm always amazed about the nation of Israel is they were a little slow. Uh, did murmuring ever help them? Did the Lord go, you're murmuring, let's, let's go help them. You want to? Let's go see what we can do for them, right? No, it was never good. You know, they never learned to just ask. You know, you can just ask and not have to murmur and gripe and complain about, you know, your woes. Just ask, right? Uh, and so, uh, and it says, uh, what shall we drink? And he cried, and he, Moses, cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into waters, the waters were made sweet. Uh, there he made for them a, stat a statute, and an ordinance, uh, and there he proved them. Uh, and then it goes into the, the, the great uh, verse there about I am the Lord that healeth thee. But the context of when the Lord said, I am the Lord that healeth thee, uh, it was in where there, even the waters, because a lot of sickness and disease are born by water, isn't it, right? Uh, civilization is, is wrought with the, the history of that. 
with, uh, you know, uh, locations and cities and towns and regions all getting sick and dying because there's some plague in the water. And they didn't know that, right? They didn't know these things uh, like they can do today. Just look at it under a microscope and see all the germs and viruses that are killing them. Uh, and, uh, but somehow they knew this water was bitter there. Uh, and so uh, the point of, of her chapter there is just talking about the, the tree, you know, that kind of paid for everything, right? And so she's looking at some types and shadows of trees here. Uh, and so uh, we're in uh, chapter 15. So let's, uh, uh, let's look at uh, uh, chapter 12 here of Exodus. And so she, uh, she's continuing to talk about the, the provision of the Lord, right? And it says uh, in verse 35, Exodus 15, Exodus 12, 35, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. Uh, and so, you know, I've always thought it was odd how the King James translated this, this kind of this verse, right? Because you ever had somebody borrow something and didn't return it? You know, uh, what do you think about them? They're really stealing, right? You know, because if, if they're borrowing it, that means that the intent is to bring it back, right? And you ever had people borrow things and they know they're not going to bring it back? You know they're not going to bring it back? Everybody knows they're not going to bring it but they don't say it that way. Hey, can I just have your stuff, right? Nobody ever says it that way. They say borrow, right? I told you about the fellow who borrowed my chainsaw. Seven years later, he brought it back. Uh, and he said, uh, hey, I sharpened it for you. Uh, oh, I mean... Was, was it like one tooth per year? I mean, you know, that's, all, that's really slow. You need to fire your, uh, your uh, chainsaw sharpening guy, you know. Uh, no, he was just one of those people who just weren't very good. Because uh, every time I see him, I say, I'm going to bring that chainsaw back. Well, you know, then keep your word, right? Don't just say it. Don't mean it, right? Uh, and, of course, they say, ha, 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 well, you know, I'm just, just kind of slow, ha, you know. Well, you know, then your faith is going to be kind of slow, ha, 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 you know. You want the Lord to wait seven years to heal you every time you need it? Uh, well, then, you know, do what you say you're going to do, right? Uh, but, uh, uh, but if you read other translations, it brings out uh, a little bit different insight of that. And so I'll just read a few translations here. One says, and they asked uh, from the Egyptians items of silver, gold, and clothes. So it wasn't, wasn't they were borrowing it. They asked, hey, um, uh, what have you got silver and gold? And they petitioned the Egyptians for vessels of silver and gold. Uh, one translation, I thought it was interesting, because really this translation brings out, if you, if you kind of do some research on this, on this um, on this verse and how it was translated, this is really what it means. It says they 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 had gone to the Egyptians asking for their back pay in silver and gold and needed articles of clothing. So what was the position of the Israelites under the Egyptian law? They were slaves. So what were they doing as slaves? They were working right, building cities and building you know monuments to to uh, dead people and. Uh, and they did this for hundreds of years without pay. So shouldn't you get paid for your labor, right? The New Testament says that a workman is worthy of his wages. Uh, so you should get your pay, and they weren't paying them. So really what they're doing is, is when they walked out uh, all, with all the silver and gold, they were just getting what was owed them. So they weren't stealing anything. That's what their back pay was, right? Uh, and so that's really the, the best insight of, of that. So even though the King James says they borrowed it, it wasn't borrowed with the intention of bringing it back. It was... Hey, this is back pay that you owe us. We're just uh, collecting on this back pay. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting that they gave it to them. The Egyptians gave it to them. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they they just want to get rid of them, right? Here, take whatever you want. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, they, they, uh, 
Uh, the word borrow really means to ask or demand or you know request the back pay there. So that's really a, a better um, a better insight. Uh, and then she she brought out a good point, which I th thought was good. You know, she said that uh, that the Red Sea uh, itself heard the voice of God and acted accordingly. Uh, and that's one thing, you know, years ago, the Lord showed me that, uh, you know, I've really never spent a lot of time in it because you have to be careful when it comes to the natural world of getting kind of spooky and voodoo-y, you know, and kind of, you know, getting into mysticism. You know, you've got to be careful about these things. But who created everything that we see? God created everything we see. So everything that we see has the ability to hear the voice of God. Didn't he say that if we don't cry out, that who else would cry out? Very right. Now, was he, was he speaking allegorically? I don't believe he's speaking. I believe really if we actually close all of our mouths in the entire world and not saying a single praise to God, that that rock over there would, hey, there's got to be some praise to God. And I'm created by God. And now, does that mean that rock has a spirit or a soul? You know, it doesn't have a spirit or soul. But because it has the fingerprint of God, it has the ability to hear faith. Yeah, and, and you shouldn't take it really beyond. If you take it beyond that, you're going to start getting into weird, you know, mysticism and Mother Earth and weird things like that you know be careful about getting too far down that but uh, every created thing has the ability to hear faith right and so when Moses spoke to the Red Sea or he hit the Red Sea uh, with his staff uh, it heard the voice of God when Jesus spoke to the tree uh, and cursed it there in Mark chapter 11 it heard the voice of God amen uh, and there's lots of stories uh, like that where the, the the world around us responded to words of faith uh, and so uh, it's not just uh, the voice of God only. It's the voice of faith that everything has the ability to hear that because it's all created by God. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, and then she uh, goes into the uh, seven uh, redemptive names of God. And so what you'll see a lot of times we're in Exodus 12. Just turn over real quick because we're going to we'll back up when we look at this. But in, in uh, Exodus 15. Uh, at the end of the verse, it says, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, now, if you have a King James translation, the word Lord there, what they'll usually do is they put it in small caps. So I don't know what the, uh, we'll see in this version, it has it all caps right there, right? I am the Lord that healeth thee. So anytime you see it in small caps or in all uppercase like that, that's just a, a, a the way that the translators would, would note that this particular word is the Hebrew word for Jehovah. So anytime you see that, it's the word Jehovah. Sometimes in some translations, it's translated as Yahweh, but it's the same Hebrew word there. Uh, and so that's different than, say, Elohim, which means God, or, or just the Lord, which, mean, you know, which just means the commander or the one in charge. So uh, they're trying to make a distinction that this is a special Hebrew word, and it's the Hebrew word for Jehovah. Uh, and so when he said, I am the Lord, so he's saying, I am Jehovah, and that word uh, helit there uh, is the word Rapha. And so what you'd find that in the Hebrew uh, translation is those words are really combined or they're, they're sometimes are hyphenated, but they're really intended to be a single word, a compound word. So it's not just I am the Lord, the heal the I am Jehovah Rapha. So it's one one statement is what the the uh, original language in Hebrew, the way that it's written there. Uh, of course, when we translate it, we have to make it a little bit more easy to understand and easy to say. But. But what you'll find then there there are seven uh, primary places where or seven uh, instances where uh, the Lord would combine the word Jehovah 
with another word to explain who he was to the nation of Israel. Uh, and so let's uh, so let's just real quick. We'll do a quick uh, tour of these. We won't go through all the cases of them, but uh, we'll look at uh, just the, the seven there. And then you can always look up, uh, look these up on your own if you want to see other ones. But in, in Genesis chapter two, or chapter twenty two. Uh, he says, uh, let's see, in verse eight, he says, um, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering for they went uh, both of them together. Uh, and so in this case, uh, this is the word uh, Jireh, right? In fact, did we sing the song this morning, right, about Jireh? So the word Jireh means uh, I am the Lord that provides, right? Uh, and you can find that in a few places there in the Old Testament. But I am the Lord. God will provide, right? I am the provider. And uh, anybody remember uh, Brother Copeland's song, Jehovah Jireh, back from the 80s, right? Back when Brother Copeland used to release records. Um, I guess, does he do that anymore? I haven't heard a record from, uh, uh, I know he's done some after that one, but that was a, a big hit, uh, uh, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. Uh, and so, so that was uh, Abraham's faith because he knew that this is Jehovah and not just Jehovah, but Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And so he was concerned that that uh, that uh, he was going to have to sacrifice his own son because uh, maybe he had the revelation that this is the type of the actual Messiah. So I don't have to do it because I'm not qualified to actually be the Messiah and be the Lamb of God. But I need to show what this type and shadow is like. And so the Lord will provide whatever he needs. And of course, he did. Right. Uh, and so the Lord did provide a ram for them in the, in the thicket. And then we looked at uh, Jehovah Rapha there in Exodus fifteen twenty six, uh, And then uh, let's turn over to uh, back over to Exodus chapter 17. Uh, and uh, let's start in verse, uh, let's start in verse 8 here. Uh, and so he says uh, in verse eight, uh, then came uh, Amalek and fought with the fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, choose us out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Uh, tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat uh, thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up, uh, stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited uh, Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly uh, put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Uh, and he said, uh, for he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have, w uh, have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So the word uh, uh, Nisi there is the Lord our banner. Uh, and, you know, you've seen uh, in some movies and things where people go to war, and they have these big banners, right? The banner of this nation, banner of that nation. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Lord's banner always says, you're a bunch of losers, right? Uh, that's what his banner says, that I've come to bring victory uh, for the nation of Israel. Uh, and so, uh, 
you know, when the Lord, uh, when the Lord um, does things for us, right? Uh, when the Lord, uh, if if we have to have some encounter with the with the enemy of mankind, the devil, you know, we do our part, but it's the Lord who does does the fighting for us, right? And this is a good example because, you know, uh, this nation that they were fighting against, Joshua still had to go down and engage, right? He still had to go to the battle. He still had to go and be there in the presence of the enemy. Uh, and, and then as long as Moses was doing his part of faith, then uh, Joshua would prevail. Uh, and that's, you know, for some Christians, it's hard for them to, uh, to engage, right? They will go to the ends of the world to avoid all conflict in their life, right? They'll go to the ends of the world to avoid all conflict with the enemy. They'll appease the enemy. They will ignore the enemy. They will act like the enemy is not there. They'll lie that the enemy is not really doing anything when, he, when he's doing all kinds of things. Uh, and um, uh, no, sometimes you've got to engage, right? Sometimes uh, it's necessary to fight, right? Remember what, what did Paul tell Timothy? Uh, fight the what? The good fight, right? Well, why is it a good fight? Because when you look up on the hill, there's the banner. They're saying we have victory. There's the banner that says we will overcome, right? There's the banner that the Lord says here is, is the victory that you need to overcome in that situation. So the Lord is our banner, right? He's Jehovah Nissi. Uh, and so, uh, but he does, he does all the hard work, right? Uh, you know, uh, Joshua has still got to show up, but the Lord does all the hard work, amen? Uh, and then uh, we're there in Exodus. Turn over a couple books there to the book of Judges. Uh, in Judges chapter 6 there. Uh, and this was uh, with a story of our friend Gideon, right? And so Judges chapter 6. And, of course, you could teach on Gideon for a long time. But Gideon finally did do what uh, 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 what the Lord said, right? Uh, and so uh, the Lord said uh, in verse 22, And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for because I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said in verse 23, Unto him, Peace be unto thee. Fear not, thou shalt not die. Uh, and, um, you know, the, that phrase, fear not, is found many times in the Bible. I think somebody said one time it's, it's found 365 times in the Bible. That's not really true. I'm not sure why they said the, that particular thing. You know, it sounds cool, but it's not really accurate. But uh, you may have to combine it with other, other phrases. But it was mentioned dozens of times in the Bible, fear not. Uh, and so uh, if he told us to fear not, then what should we do? Then we should fear not, right? And so uh, he said um, uh, in verse uh, uh, 23, uh, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto uh, this day it is yet in an in, in offra of the Abiyah's, uh, 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 Abby, well, whoever those people are, right? Uh, and so we, we like Jehovah Shalom. So Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is our peace, right? Uh, and really the context of that is he's our peace uh, in, in the times when we're standing in his presence, right? So a lot of times people are, are in great fear, trembling kind of fear in the presence of God. And really we should be at peace in the presence of God, right? Uh, and so he, the, he is Jehovah Shalom. So all of these... Um, uh, we call them covenant names of God. All of these are uh, who God is, right? They're not just attributes of God or characteristics of God. They're who God is. So God is a God of peace, right? 
And of course, in the New Testament, we know that the Bible says uh, over in Ephesians 2.14 that for, for he is our peace. Uh, and so he is our peace, right? There is peace between God and man. Uh, and so uh, we don't, we, we should, I mean, we fear God from a reverential standpoint, but we should be afraid of God. You know, a lot of people are afraid of God. You know, they're afraid to go to church. They're afraid to pray. They're afraid, they're just afraid God's going to get them. And of course, they only, they only think that because they don't really know who he is, right? Uh, and so, so uh, he, he is our perfect peace, right? Uh, and, you know, if you're full of sickness and disease, it's hard to be at perfect peace. Uh, and so you can, even though it was used in the standpoint, from the standpoint of, of uh, their relationship with God, you know, you can still use it from the standpoint of uh, uh, that uh, I can be at peace at all time, even if there is sickness and disease, right? Uh, because if you're in sickness and disease, it's hard to, it's hard to be in peace, amen? Uh, and then, of course, the great uh, verse there over in Psalm 23, we've got to read that one, right? Um, and I remember uh, we used to read this on the intercom in high school. Nowadays, if you did such a thing, they'd just tase you and bury you in the backyard, right? Uh, but you used to could read scripture in, in school, right? Uh, and so, you know, they're wondering why all these school shootings going on, you know? Well, there was, you know, they weren't going on when they were reading Bible verses, right? Uh, and so, uh, but it says here in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? And, and um, uh, in, in our book, I think in the book of healing, for the healing scriptures, Psalm 23 is in there. Uh, and you've got a whole bunch of different translations for Psalm 23.1. And it, they're really great. You should read it, right? Uh, and so, uh, I, you know, some of them say, say, I shall not be in want. Uh, there's some really great translations for that particular verse. But the word the Lord there, the word Lord is Jehovah and then uh, uh, Jehovah uh, uh, Ra is the is the Hebrew word R A A H uh, Jehovah Ra uh, the Lord our Shepherd so he so he is our Shepherd right and so if uh, if he's our Shepherd what's the job of the Shepherd in relation to the sheep uh, he's supposed to care for the sheep right uh, and so. When people say, you know, everything's bad and it's awful and I'm sick and diseased and I'm broke and poor and tired and all these things. And, you, you know, if you saw a sheep just uh, starved and mangled up and, and you know, uh, uh, halfway shaved one side but not shaved in the other side and, and, you know, limping and you'd think, well, what kind of a farmer is caring for that sheep? What kind of a shepherd is caring for that sheep? You know, they're doing a terrible job in caring for that sheep. Uh, and that's the way a lot of the world, when they see the church, they wonder, well, you must have a terrible shepherd. You know, you're supposed to have a shepherd that's caring for you. Uh, and how is it that you can be in such want? And yet the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? I shall not be in any want. So he is, is he really your shepherd? Then, you know, if a sheep gets sick, who's responsible for caring for that sick sheep? The shepherd is, right? Uh, and so, you know, uh, I'm not sure uh, why that would be such a hard a hard concept to understand, you know, for the, uh, uh, aren't we all sheep? Uh, we're all sheep, right? Uh, and you know why the Lord picked sheep, right, to, of all things, to represent uh, our relationship with him? <laughs> I think Johnny nailed it on head because sheep are so dumb, right? Uh, they are cute, but they're cute and dumb, right? <laughs> and so, um, but... Um, <clears throat> Uh, and I've heard people say they're just so dumb, right? I mean, how uh, amazingly dumb, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and so, 
Uh, so is he your shepherd? Uh, he is your shepherd. Well, could you use that for uh, physical healing? Well, sure you can, because if he's your shepherd, you know, you can't, if you're the sheep, you can't drive yourself to the vet, right? You can't call or text the, you know, the, shep the, the vet to come and fix you and give you medication, and you can't tell the vet what medication that he should give you. You don't know anything about that. You don't know how, how all that works, right? Uh, in fact, you can't even speak because you're a sheep, right? You're not really bright at all. Uh, and so you're entirely dependent upon the grace and the mercy of the shepherd that's over you. And, of course, we have the greatest uh, shepherd that's over us, the, the Lord Jesus. And so we should be, you know, when you see a, a pristine uh, fields there and all perfectly set up there and all the fences are, are perfectly lined up and all the barns are clean and, and there's plenty of nice green grass and all the sheep are fat and happy and, and full of wool. You know, you look at that, that, they must have a great shepherd, right? And you go down the street to another farm and everything's broken down and the sheep are being eaten by the wolves. And, you know, you f see a few dead sheep here and there. And you think, well, that's a terrible shepherd. Not, you know, that, that's not the way it ought to be, right? We have the greatest shepherd that's ever been. Uh, and so, you know, we should be uh, perfectly well and happy. Amen. Uh, and then uh, over in um, uh, Jeremiah 23. And so, you know, we're just really covering one verse per uh, one verse per uh, covenant name, but many of these covenant names are found multiple times in the Word of God, and so some of them I think are just one time, but uh, many of them are, are many times, so we're not going to go through all of them. Uh, over in Jeremiah chapter 23, he says, uh, In his days Judah shall be saved, and, and Israel shall dwell safely. It's at Jeremiah 23, 6. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called. The Lord, our righteousness. So uh, he is the Lord, our righteousness. Right. And, and of course, we don't have time to go into um, all of uh, what our righteousness is. But um, he is our righteous. And if he's our righteous, then you can be righteous. Right. And then the, the last of the covenant names uh, is found in Ezekiel 48. Uh, in verse uh, 35. It says, and it, it was round about 18,000 measures, and the name of the city from that day shall be, the Lord is there. Uh, and in and, and the Hebrew, it means the Lord is present. Uh, so is he uh, uh, help to you at all times? Well, if he's present, then he's always there, right? He's always available to help. Uh, and so uh, it's, uh, it's good to just kind of, Meditate on these covenant names of God every now and then to remind yourself that he is present, that you are his, that uh, uh, he is our righteousness. He is our shepherd. He is our peace. Right. Uh, he's our banner. He's the one that heals and he's the one that provides. So it's just good to go through those verses uh, just on every now and then. Just remind yourself he is Jehovah, whatever these things are. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, and if that's who he is then that's who he still is, right? He hasn't changed. He is the Lord who doesn't change. And so if he's the Lord that healeth then, he's still the Lord that heals now. If he's the Lord that provided then, he's still the Lord that provides now. If he's the Lord that brings the banner of victory, then he's still the Lord that brings banner of victory, right? He doesn't bring a banner of defeat and, and come and say, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. And so, you know, this one you're probably going to lose. Does he ever do that? No, he doesn't. But uh, you hear Christians talk, well, you win some, you lose some, right? Uh, is that the way that the, ch the church ought to think? No, we ought not think that. Amen. Uh, and so. Uh, so there's just good, uh, good uh, verses there. 
and um, uh, what the Lord has done for us. And, and so uh, this chapter, I mean, we'll be done with this chapter next week pretty easily, right? Uh, and so, uh, like I said, some of these chapters will go pretty quick. So, uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today then. So, Father, we thank you that you are Jehovah. You are all of these things you said you that you were. And, Father, you are still all of those things that you say that you were. Uh, if you are our banner uh, back in the old covenant, you are still our banner. If you are a peace, if you are a shepherd, if you are a provider, then you're still all of those things uh, today. And uh, and especially uh, in this class, Father, if you were Jehovah Rapha, our healer, then you are still Jehovah Rapha, our healer. And so, Father, we declare that we live in divine health all the days of our lives, Father. We can live here well and healthy and whole and strong, Father. Uh, and and if there's any aspect uh, of our flesh that is not well, then we can remind our flesh that that your word, Father, is health to all of our flesh because you're Jehovah Rapha over all of our flesh, not just bits and pieces, not certain parts, but not others. If you're Jehovah Rapha, then you're Jehovah Rapha from the from the sole of our feet to the top of our head. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, is the Lord still Jehovah, all of these covenant names? He still is. Amen. He's not given up on any of those at all. Uh, and so we we thank him for that. Amen. Uh, and so uh, don't forget, uh, we have uh, prayer services Friday night at 7 p.m. Uh, and then our church meal will be on October the 10th. Uh, and so um, uh, well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And so. Like this class went by pretty quick, but I guess we did questions and then we started another chapter there. So we're just moving right along. Right. Uh, we'll be done with this book, you know, uh, in no time at all. Right. Uh, and so I was going to say it's some time frame, but whatever I said would be wrong anyway. So come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering and uh, appreciate y'all's uh, faithfulness. And uh, have you all been able to, uh, to go by the uh, the drink shop next door that. Uh, uh, for. Um, uh, the people that are renting from that building, building there, uh, I'm not getting a cut or anything like that. No, you know, just, just you know, they're super nice people, and so if you get a chance, go by there and uh, uh, get a drink there. And so uh, they're um, uh, they're just super nice people, good Christian people there. Amen. Uh, and so it's okay if the Lord's people are prosperous, right? Uh, in fact, uh, I think they they hit uh, when we talked to them. They said their business is about double what they had expected it to be or they planned, well, we need to have it this much to to do well. Uh, and it's about double that. Right. And so uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll take a little credit for that, for believing God that they that they prosper. Amen. Uh, when we'll take they doing all the hard work. Right. But we can believe God with them. And so uh, praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week of Lord. And you're dismissed. <laughs>